Hello, and welcome again to the Here and Now podcast. I'm Linda Dissel, Senior Equity Strategist at Federated Hermes. And today, I'm joined by Steve Auth, Chief Investment Officer of Global Equities. Hello, Steve. Hi, Linda. Hi. Uh, gosh, I remember at the beginning of last year, when asked what your forecast was for the S&P 500 for the year end, 19, you called for 3,100, which looked really heroic at that time. And of course, as we know, we finished the year even above that. So congratulations on an excellent call. Now, you've come out this year for well, 2020. Just, I mean, there's a whole team behind that call, okay? So good for them. Excellent. Excellent. But you've come out this year with a 3,500 target for the year end, which is also on the high end of uh, consensus out there. Can you help us with what are the factors that are driving your bullish call? Well, I'd like to know what the cons- factors driving the uh, consensus call. I mean, our call is not really that bullish, right? We're looking for 9 to 10 percent upside in the market off of a very good level at the end of last year. So we think it's more of a normal year, a year of a lot of rotation. I think it's going to be a more difficult year to make money and one where active managers are likely to do better. Um, because I think some of the big growth names will probably consolidate here, and we'll see some of the more cyclically tilted areas in value do better. That's as in a part of our call. So, um, your question was, what's the factors driving behind it? Uh, you're, you're being a, as bullish as 3,500. I believe consensus is in and around 3,300 yeah. for the year. So you but are you more bullish on earnings. That you know we're at 2,800 for last year. I mean, they just can't get over. Like th- this time last year, they were all telling us a recession was on the way, right around the corner, and that's been dead wrong. We always thought it was. There was a manufacturing pullback, but the rest of the economy is doing fine. Um, and now, you know, back in the fall, they began to face the prospect of a reacceleration in this economy. And they're trying to figure out, how do I tell people? Not only was it wrong about that, it was actually reaccelerate. So, yeah, our call is based on a reacceleration in the back half. We're way abo- above consensus on those on that recovery. But all the big Wall Street economists I talk to, if you examine their models, they'll tell me, Steve, yeah, you're right. It should reaccelerate. Our models indicate it. Well, why aren't you saying that? Oh, well, I mean, it can't be right. But, you know, you go through it. You've got the lagged impact of the Fed rate cuts. You've got the confidence that comes back into the global economy when you get trade deals with our three largest trading partners signed almost on the same day. You've got um, the uncertainty around the election gradually winding off as the year goes on. It might have ended last night. Uh, And then you've got the normal cyclical forces of a manufacturing sector that has been through a recession and now has to rebuild inventory. That automatically gives you an accelerant. The Boeing thing is over by then. The GM strike is over. And now I've got this new one, which is the coronavirus has been a shutdown. Okay, some of that's going to be lost consumption forever, but most of it is just stuff on back order that's going to be double ordered at the back half of the year. So there's an awful lot of factors here. And frankly, if you do the math, you get to numbers north of even four on the back half. We don't even put out a number that high because, you know, everyone thinks we're crazy. But there is going to be an economic reacceleration in the back half of the year. And when you throw that in, um, 
you know, you've got people looking at earnings into next year that are substantially higher than where they are now. And so it doesn't really become that heroic to get to 3,500. You know, we think earnings next year, I mean, the consensus is even at 195 or something, but, and we're, you know, we're using that for now. It could be higher, but even so, at 195, just even keeping the multiple the same uh, gets you to 3,500, you know, 18 times next year's number. So we haven't really talked about how the real upside in this market we think could come beyond this year. Um, when people start factoring in what should be a higher multiple, not lower. When the bears tell me that the market is rich, I just smile. I mean, what are they talking about? We are at historically low bond yields. What we all learned in the last 12 months is that the resting place for the 10-year is permanently lower. There are too many forces at work globally to get this yield to go much higher. So whereas a year ago we were at, you know, I think the market was thinking probably three, three and a half was the resting point. I think now they're thinking two to two and a half. We're at 160 even. But you take 100 basis points out of the discount rate on equities and the multiple, frankly, if you do the math, should be somewhere around 20. So, you know, we think there's still more to come on just revaluation, but we don't ourselves even have – that big move in the market this year. That's a really excellent point about the yields. I can't tell you how many times I personally have read or heard that the 10 years going to 4% in six months. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's a hard thing for people to, to finally admit it's not going to be that way. It's Maybe, not it may be uh, permanent or much, much longer for lo- uh, lower for longer. Well, now uh, it's, it is going to be a very interesting year though. It's the election season. Now, assuming that Trump is reelected, and I would love to hear your thoughts on those odds if you wish, what, from a market-friendly perspective, do you expect out of a second Trump term? Well, uh, on the first point, you know, we, we put out one of our top five surprises for the year. I did this just to torture people, frankly. But uh, I said the election will be over by March. And what I meant by that is um, that, yeah, <laughs> Uh, you know, one of two things is going to happen. What we think is going to happen is the Democratic Party is going to be deadlocked. And the people, everyone's going to start looking up, well, what happens now? And they're starting to do that already and realizing, my goodness, after Iowa, maybe that is what's going to happen. You're thinking the brokered convention? Brokered convention. Then what happens? Oh, the superdelegates, they're still alive. They just don't vote on the first round. They're party-centrics. We'll see the politics of how that play out. But either the Democrats are going to nominate someone who cannot possibly win the Midwest, such as probably a Warren or a Sanders, or someone who maybe has a possibility, I don't think likely, um, but that person's going to be more of a moderate. And the market will be happy enough to know the worst case scenario here is a moderate Democrat in the White House. It's not going to be a radical change in economic policy. I think the real upside, and you know, in our numbers, um, it would be very unusual for a sitting president with this kind of economic performance, um, in fact, it would be unprecedented for him not to win. We've analyzed some of these close markets very closely, like Pennsylvania. It will come down to turnout 
But on our numbers, we think the president's likely to win in an electoral college landslide. And we don't have that in our year-end forecast yet. But we do think, to answer your very first question, once the market internalizes at some point that we're having four more years of these sort of supply-side pro-growth economic policies, you got to factor in at least a half a point a year GDP growth. What people don't fully understand, but it'll be borne out in time, that supply-side tax reform, supply-side stimulants like lower regulations have long lead times. These liberal economists coming out of places like Harvard and Princeton, where I studied, I can assure you, they think about economic stimulus as I hand out a dollar to everybody and they spend it tomorrow. It's right there. It's a sugar high, as they like to call it. Supply side is different. It takes a long time. We, we talk to a lot of companies, Linda, as you know. When someone's after-tax returns on investment just went up by 20% because of the corporate tax cuts, they're going to invest more. Now, what's the lead time for that? Well, you got to go through a budget cycle. you got to get things approved. Things have to hit margin rates. Opportunities have to come available in the market. It takes more time, but it compounds on itself. So we think the full effects of the corporate tax cuts have even yet to be felt as well as the regulatory changes. And if you throw another four years of this into the market, uh, you know, we think the economy is likely to restore itself to a higher trend rate of growth than this too that we've been dealing with for a long time. And that's good for earnings, and that's pretty good for stocks. Well, excellent. Um, we've been reading a lot about the possibility of a progressive winning the Democratic nomination and what that might mean for the markets. And I wonder, uh, I know you've said that you wouldn't be surprised to see a 5 to 10 percent pullback at some point in here. Do you think those concerns would be the catalyst, or what are you thinking would be? Yeah, I wish I could identify it. But look, people got to recognize when a market's gone straight up like ours has, um, and you know there have been 16 rises of this magnitude, 10 to 15 percent. I think we're at plus 15 at this point off the October lows. Uh, you can, you know, those kinds of rises without a pullback of 2 to 3 percent, anything worse than that, there's been 16 of them. Um, all of them eventually end up in a, you expect a correction afterwards. And on average, uh, you know, a 5 to 10 percent correction is what you get. In fact, the average is 9 and that's just because you have, you know, so many weak hands get pulled in as the market keeps going up. They don't really have a lot of conviction on the market. And then something untoward happens, and they say, I know, I knew I was right. I knew I was right. What was I thinking? And they sell. And, and that's part of what a bull market entails. It entails these temporary setbacks that wash out the weak hands and set a firmer foundation. So, we are overdue for that kind of a correction. It's not heroic, I don't think, or any, frankly, prescience to, <laughs> to note for people that we've had a 15% rise. It'd be very natural to have a 5 to 10% correction. I do expect we'll get one. Catalyst being? I don't know. It could be this coronavirus. You know, on early work on that was this is probably not it. I've said that. I still think that's probably the case. If this gets a lot worse, maybe this will cause, cause the pullback. But 
It could be something else. It could be, um, as you mentioned, a very progressive candidate emerging as the leader on the Democratic side. I'm not sure if that would be either. I think most people would do the math on that and figure, well, that candidate's unlikely to win, therefore Trump. But it might scare the market enough to uh, give us a correction. Um, whatever it is, it'll be something, in our view, that's probably not um, related to the long-term fundamentals. And, you know, our plan is to get even more aggressive at that point if we get there. In the meantime, we're telling people stay, you know, 50 percent of max overweight, which is healthy. Have some dry powder if there is a pullback. And, um, you know, you should get even a more attractive entry point at some point. But if not, you're still overweight equities. So that's how we're sitting right here mm-hmm. today. And a 5 to 10 percent pullback is a feature of an average year in the stock market, right? And a good healthy thing to for yeah, the market. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good thing. Um, my, fit, you know, my theme for the market this year is be mm-hmm. not afraid. Yeah. You, you've got to have conviction in what you own. There's going to be some scary moments. Those would be the ones to hold on and have some conviction. Steve, I'd like to squeeze one last question in, if sure, I may. Sure, Linda. This correction that we may get at any point in time, do you think that algorithmic trading could exacerbate such a correction? Yeah, it's possible. Um, You know, we watch the algos now. I mean, we've studied them carefully. And, um, you know, you can see their footprints in the market around certain types of events. And, um, yeah, they could feed on themselves. The heavy amount of passive money out there could feed on it. Who knows? It might even extend to something. I mean, what you're implying is what you'd normally expect could be a little worse. Wouldn't surprise me. Okay. No. Great. Thank you, Steve. And thank you to our listeners. We look forward to you joining us again on the Federated Hermes Here and Now podcast. Views are as of February 5th, 2020 and are subject to change based on market conditions and other factors. These views should not be construed as a recommendation for any specific security or sector. Federated Global Investment Management Corp. 2010013 220.